Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. J.D., the question today is a very simple one, so I'm just going to get right to it. What is an idol? Yeah, Matt, you know, I, I got asked that question just the other day by a new Christian. It's one of those christian ease kind of words that uh, we can use inside the church. And sometimes we know what we're talking about, but people on the outside, it's definitely you know, a concept of them. Like, what do you mean? Because we think idol and we think a little statue that you bow down to. Um, it's actually a very important biblical concept. It's the first two of the Ten Commandments to have no gods and and no no idols, no graven images. Martin Luther said, if you learn to keep those two commandments, you would keep all the, the rest instinctively. Um, a lot of people think, well, because I don't have any gold statues I bow down to, no little no little amulets I pray to, um, I must be, be good on this one. I, I don't have any idols. But the concept of idol is much bigger and much more foundational such that it would be the first two of the the big 10 the 10 commandments um in Romans chapter one, Paul says, ultimately, the original sin of mankind was a sin of idolatry. Now you look at the Garden of Eden and you say, well, I don't get that because you don't see them in the Garden of Eden bowing down to a, a statue or even bowing down to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But when you understand that an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life, they had had thought that what the tree of knowledge of good and evil offered them outside of God's will was better for them, more essential for life and uh, to, to, to be wise and to have happiness was more essential than the presence of God himself. Um, you know, one of the Hebrew words for worship in the Old Testament is the word kabod, and kabod literally means a weight. So you can think of an idol as anything that you, that you, you put so much weight on in your life that it begins to have a controlling uh, controlling impulse in your life, something that, to use Tim Keller's description, something that you start to feel about it without that thing, um, there's no way I could be happy in life. Uh, you just ask yourself, what is it when I look into the future? What has to be there in order for me to feel like life is going to be okay? It might be marriage. It might be um, a certain amount of money in the bank account. It might be the approval of people. Um, you know, idols are not usually bad things. They're they're good things upon which we put godlike weight. Another guy said it like this: an idol is not usually a bad thing. It's a good thing that we turn into a god thing, and so it becomes a bad thing because because it becomes more essential to us, more controlling of our behavior than than, than God Himself. Um, Tim Keller has has he's talked a lot about idolatry, and had, he had a really useful way of describing. The, well, he called it the four root idols. And this would not be exhaustive. Um, I've heard David Paulus and the Christian counselor talk about these four. I think this is a, a pretty good reflection, but he said the four root idols behind all the other sins are going to be power, a desire for power, a desire for control. That's the second one, a desire for approval and a desire for comfort. And chances are when you peel the layers back of your sin, you're going to see that that behind it is a drive for one of these things. Um, again, to use Keller, he says, if you seek power, uh, success, if you want to win, if you, you, you want to have influence, then your greatest fear ends up being humiliation. Um, the, the people around you often feel used. And so you sin against them by using them. You're, uh, will overwork them. You will, uh, manipulate them. Your, your problem emotion, if your root idol is power is, is most likely anger. If you seek approval, if that's your root idol, um, by approval, I mean, affirmation, um, love from others. You, you really need, you know, relationships, uh, to feel like you have any, any, any validation, then your greatest fear is rejection. And people around you are often going to feel smothered like you 
you are 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 are, are controlling them and, and and needing them to play some role in your life. You put a lot of weight on them to to say the right things to you and to be there for you. Your problem emotion is going to be cowardice uh, because you're not able to say hard things or speak hard things to people or do things that they might not like because you need to keep their approval. If you seek comfort, if that is your root idol, um, and and by comfort it, that could be like just for a desire for independence and privacy, a lack of stress, freedom, a lot of creature comforts, then your greatest fears are going to be, you know, people controlling your life or um, putting yourself in a situation where um, you're going to be under a lot of stress. People around you often feel neglected uh, because, you know, you've, you're just thinking about what, how do I feel good? What do I, what, what do I need tonight? I don't need to deal with my kids. I need to be, uh, you know, behind closed doors, just, just resting. Your problem emotion ends up being boredom. If you seek control and, and by that, that could be like, I'm, I really want to be self-disciplined. Um, I want certainty. I want everybody doing exactly what, what I want them to be doing. Um, then your greatest fear ends up being uncertainty. People around you often feel condemned because they're not playing the role they should play and your problem emotion ends up being worry. Some missionaries from Germany actually taught me a great phrase just the other day. It says it's a common proverb in Germany. It says, you know, it's good to trust somebody. It is better to control the situation. And you know, it's just like playing to that idol of I, I need to have control. And if not, um, if not, then I, I feel like life won't be good. And so that causes me to to sin. My wife and I actually did an exercise um, a, a while back, several years ago. I was actually getting ready to, to teach on this to the church, and I was trying to illustrate the point that a lot of times your root idol will be what's behind your sins. So I just asked her, we were laid in bed one night, and I said, hey, um, help me think of the biggest sins that I commit, and let's see if they, we can find a common root. Just for the record, um, I'm never going to ask my wife again to help me with this list. She rattled off stuff like she had memorized it long ago. Next time I'm doing this by myself. But we started to come up with different sins. And so um, the first thing that we identified was sometimes I tell lies. And, uh, you know, I know that's hard to admit here on, the, on a podcast, but my, my lies come in two forms. Sometimes I will exaggerate my accomplishments. And the reason I do that is because I want people to admire me, to think that I'm, I'm amazing, that I'm something. Some, uh, the, the flip side is I will minim, minimize my, my failures. That's because I want them to, to respect me. Um, there is another way that I lie, and that is I don't want to disappoint people. And that, uh, you know, so if you ask me if you can come over and I don't want you to come over, I don't want you to not like me by me saying, hey, I'm just, you know, don't have the, the time right now. I'll come up with something that sounds like just will keep you from being upset with me. Uh, one of the reasons that I overwork, oh, that was another sin. I tend to neglect people when I feel like I've got to succeed. Well, the, the reason I overwork is I really want the church to be a success. And the reason I want it to be a success is I really want people to, to look at me and to say, hey, he was successful. He, man, look at him. He, um, he really accomplished a lot. Another one of my sins is worry. Uh, you know, I worry. The things that I worry about are usually the church failing or something happening and uh, me being exposed as some kind of failure. I, I still have this, I, you know, it almost seems ridiculous to say, but I still have this fear that one Sunday I'm going to show up here at the Summit Church and nobody's going to be there. It's just going to be like me and a handful of staff that are paid to be here and everybody will have decided to go to a different church. Why am I worried about that? Well, I'm worried because then people will think that I'm a failure. I'm anger. My sins of anger almost, almost always tied to me looking dumb or disrespected. I, I get angry when I lose arguments. 
I, I lose them, but I get angry because I feel like somebody got the best of me and made me look dumb. And I've built my identity on being smart. And if I feel like I'm smart, then that means that people will look up to me and admire me. So I think you can see a common thread in those. Now, you know, you're listening to me and you're saying, well, JD, you are one kind of messed up dude if you had this desire for approval. Well, look, I'm the same as you. I just have the courage to admit it. Of course, probably the reason I'm being so transparent is I'm hoping you will admire me for my transparency. And there you see it again. See, more just a desire for approval. It just kind of goes all the way down. The point is that we can give me commands like don't lie, don't worry, don't get angry. But until you cure the root idol of those all you're doing is you're, is you're putting a bandage on a problem. Um, Paul Tripp always says, if you worshiped your way into sin, you got to worship your way out. The real reason that I'm driven to worry and to fear and to anger and to lying is because underneath it is this deep driving desire to win the approval of people because I give the approval of people more kabod, more weight in my heart than I do God himself. Again, that's why Luther says, if you keep the first commandment, if God really was the most important thing to you, you would find yourself not breaking the other commandments. Um, by the way, one other angle on this, uh, our friend John Mark Homer, who was was here at the Summit Church just a few weeks ago, he said um, that really you can also come in the back door of these by, by looking at your fears. Um, ask yourself what you're afraid of. Are you afraid of being alone in the future? Are you afraid of losing control? Are you afraid of being poor? Are you afraid of of um, losing creature comforts, being in pain, um, having your, your your wife leave you, your kids grow up and 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 embarrass you or, or, or your kids growing up and, and, uh, getting in trouble or being fed, whatever your fear is, that will give you an indication of what that idol is, because that fear is what drives you and controls you. And what you've got to do is you've got to address that fear with the promises of God. The apostle John said in first John four, he said, perfect love cast out fear. And what that means is that when you have found the perfect love of an almighty God who promises that he is better than anything else that you could seek in life and that he can control every situation and promise to use it for your good, then that drives out fear. And you can find a peace and security that would give you the ability to stop sinning. Um, not because you're, you're commanded not to sin, but because your heart doesn't crave that sin because you found what your heart is looking for in God. JD, that was super helpful. Thanks so much for that answer. Um, we just want to let you guys know, podcasting, content creation, it, all this stuff that we're doing, it's one of those things that unless you're really involved in it, you don't realize how much goes into all the stuff that we're producing. And we would just ask that you would consider being one of our first 500 gospel partners heading into the new year. Gospel partners give monthly to our ministry to cover the cost of keeping our program going. We also have a, a really big goal every year to give away 10% of our revenue to church plants around the world, but we can't do it without your partnership. So go to jdgreer.com to learn more and to donate today. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.